0: April Rennie is a change navigator, speaker, investor, and adventurer whose work and travels in more than 100 companies have given her a front row seat to a world in flux. She is one of the 50 leading female futurists in the world, a Harvard Law School graduate, a young global leader at the World Economic Forum, and a Fulbright scholar. April is a trusted advisor to well-known startups and companies, financial institutions, nonprofits, think tanks, and governments worldwide. Earlier in her life, she was a global development executive, an international microfinance lawyer, and a hiking guide. She spent nearly four years traveling solo with a backpack and a shoestring budget to better understand how to help shape a more inclusive, equitable world. In this episode, she pulls from her latest book, Flux, Eight Superpowers for Thriving in Constant Change. She breaks down that we have entered an era of continuous, rapid change that requires a flux mindset eight mental shifts that you need to make to thrive in a state of constant change and why you should not try to run faster, but instead start learning to run slower. April Rini. April, it is so great to have you here with us, especially now in this moment of flux that we're all experiencing. Thank you for taking the time to be here.
1: Thank you so much. I'm delighted to join you all.
0: I'm excited to get into your work, especially your new book. But just to warm us up and get people to know you a little bit personally, I'd like to ask you the same question I ask all the guests on the show. If you really knew me, you know that. How would you complete that sentence for you?
1: If you really know me, you know that I have a fierce independent streak. And actually, the more independent you let me be, the more likely I am to come back (laughs) and keep coming back.
0: Awesome. Yeah, it seems like that's a requisite for a thought leader. And we're glad that you do that. Now, this is a topic on strategy. And I definitely think that your work is related to strategy. I know that you came at it through other venues, but I asked this question of everyone, I never get the same answer. What is your definition of strategy?
1: So my definition of strategy is being able to solve a problem or discover a solution to something you're grappling with. So it's a pretty broad definition. It's a way of seeing a problem or seeing a solution or seeing an end point, a sort of goal on the horizon.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that about strategy. Cause when you have strategy, it's suddenly something that seemed impossible is possible. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I get that you kind of take the mental view of strategy. Is something, what got you interested in strategy? Yes,
1: yeah, so it's fascinating. I've been working on strategy as an advisor to startups and governments and so on, lots of different kinds of organizations for years. So I'm no stranger to strategy. But what started to get really interesting for me was that I kept seeing organizations across the board struggle with strategy. And meanwhile, I'm sort of peeling back the layers of this concept of change and how we relate to change and how we think about change and talk about it and what we believe about it and all of that and developing this concept of what I call a flux mindset. And I started realizing, my goodness, we get our relationship backwards in terms of we are so focused on setting strategy and achieving strategy and delivering on strategy and all of that. But we're not paying attention to the mindset, the state of mind that we bring to the table that shapes and conditions and filters any strategy we're trying to develop, much less execute on.
0: And you talk about flux as a mindset. Could you explain that? What do you mean by flux?
1: Flux, well, the word itself is super fun to riff on. So flux is both a noun and a verb. As a noun, it means continuous change. As a verb, it means to learn to become fluid. And I love that because on the one hand, the world is in flux and we all need to learn how to flux. And so the flux mindset is this state of mind. It is about our relationship to change. I'll come back to that in a minute, but it builds on this concept of a growth mindset. And first, the notion of a mindset, that concept, It's a relatively recent phenomenon. We assume it's been there for a long time. It hasn't been. It's been there for a couple generations. But this state of mind and that our mindset can change as we grow and age and evolve. Many people are familiar with the concept of a growth mindset, which is primarily applied to children and how we learn. And a flex mindset sort of takes that one step further, if you will, because a growth mindset is how we learn that our minds can change as we grow, but it doesn't address what happens when the world changes. How do we respond and relate and adapt and deal with change itself? So it's sort of additive in that regard. Let's
0: apply that then to a strategist inside an organization Why does a strategist need to get their head around and build their awareness about a Flux mindset?
1: We focus so much on strategy and sort of what we're going to do in the external world. But all too often, we fail to realize that every single strategy we set, every single investment we make, every decision we take is fundamentally shaped by our mindset. So just consider this. Do you see change from a place of hope or fear? That's not strategy. That's mindset. But depending on what your answer is, your strategy is likely going to be different. So that one question, you know, we could apply it to any sector, to any team, to any point in time, and it gets really rich really fast.
0: I can understand how a person has a mindset. Can an organization or a sector or a community also have a mindset?
1: Great question. And one of the things I will admit I love about the concept of flux is that it is scale-free or fractal. (laughs) These days I can sort of say, hey, what aspect of your life is in flux? And everyone's like, all All of it. it. (laughs) But we can also think about, so our lives are in flux, our schedules are in flux, organizations are in flux big time. Also though, Climate is in flux. Financial markets may be in flux. Democracy may be in flux. I mean, we can really, you can zoom out or in as much as you'd like. So back to organizations. Absolutely. Organizations are in flux, but organizations can also develop flux mindsets if we think about organizations as groups of people this is a key part where it comes up most is just around organizational culture and the values that ground organizations. Another way that I like to phrase this sometimes, and it's more of a meta question, but what makes you, you, even when everything else changes? If you can answer that question, you've got the seeds of a flux mindset, but for an organization as well. And so it comes up in terms of values, culture, that sort of thing. And again, plays out in many ways.
0: Yeah, I love that because Peter Drucker said strategy is the answer to the question of what business are you in, which I think is very much of who are we as an organization. So tell me, is flux, hey, we're experiencing flux and then we'll get to a stable state and then we'll have another experience of flux and we'll get to a stable state or is it different?
1: No, it's quite different, actually. I've been working on flux and this concept of flux mindset in the book and all that since long before the pandemic or 2020. This is not a book about one moment in time, one year, one change. This is about the fact that the future is more change, more uncertainty, more instability, more unpredictability, more flux. And one of the ways I really like to frame it is you hear people talking about the new normal or the now normal or the never normal or whatever. All of those are valid. This is really about the fact that there is no steady state now. There is no necessarily an end game where there's one change, you're going to react to it and then we'll be done. No. Chances are by the time you've responded that one change, not only will something else have changed, but something about that very change you were navigating will have changed. So it's iterative and continuous. And as I like to say, it's a sort of future, we just need to buckle up for it. But as part of that, we need to really reshape our relationship to change and therein lies the mindset.
0: Got it. Uh, I definitely want to get into some of the specific things we can do to thrive in that state. It reminds me a lot of when I was in college, I studied mechanical engineering. First, we took a series of classes that were about statics and mechanics. And I thought I understood, you know, how force equals mass times acceleration, all the rules, the coefficients. And then we took kinetics. And the rules all changed and it felt very uncertain, like I was in an earthquake and the ground is shaking under me. And what I hear you saying is that is going to be a constant state.
1: I love that you bring up the earth shaking. So much of this is about grounding and rooting and orienting, kind of like your compass for change, if you will. And when I say what makes you, you, even when everything else changes, I really mean that because it's the sort of thing that even if the ground beneath you shifts, you're still you. Why is that? And I know that sounds a bit meta, but it's the kind of question I think the last 12 to 18 months have forced a lot of people to ask that kind of question more, but we're still not very good at it. And I would say that most people still don't have a clear answer.
0: Got it. Now, one of the things that you say is that when I think of change, I got to run faster, get to the next thing. And you talk about running slower. Can you tell us what you mean by that?
1: Yeah. So run slower is one of the eight flux superpowers. And what it says is that in a faster paced world, the way we're going to thrive is if we learn to slow our own pace. And so this is related to themes of burnout, anxiety, productivity as well. Back to the why. Being productive is not in itself a good thing. It depends on what you're being productive for. And what we're struggling with right now, individually and societally, is that typically when change hits or when the pace of change increases, society tells us that, what do we do? We're supposed to run faster and keep up and just keep up and just keep up. As a futurist, I'm looking at this saying, okay, we know that the pace of change is quickening as far as we can tell, that the pace of change has never been as fast as it is today. And yet will likely never again be this slow. You let that sink in and it's both exciting and terrifying. If we know that's the case and we know today that every day moving forward is going to be faster, 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 and then I'm told every day I need to run faster, 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 faster. Candidly, that is not a life I wish to live, but it's not a life that's healthy for anyone or key, I think, for strategy and beyond. That is not how we make wise decisions. A fast decision is not a wise decision. That's also not how we actually see everything that's going on. When you're running so fast, I like to say at an extreme, we run the risk of running right past life itself. But in all of that, we miss a lot of things that we need to be paying attention to. And some of that, there's stuff that really, really matters.
0: Yeah. It's like when you are late for an appointment and you're in your car, there, the tendency is like, let me step on the accelerator. But what I found is then I'm usually later because I take the wrong turn. Instead, I just want to be careful that I'm following my GPS. And that gets me there more quickly. What are some of the other eight superpowers that we should be mindful of?
1: Oh, it's funny asking which is my favorite. It's kind of like asking which is my favorite child kind of thing. And I know you didn't say that, but that's how it always feels of like, I know we can't cover them all.
0: Maybe like, what would someone start with? What would someone start with?
1: Well, to start with. Mm. I think though for strategy, let's just go ahead and dig right in there. They're not sequential. You don't have to do one before two or anything, but the one that comes after runs slower in the book is called see what's invisible. And that says that when the future looks uncertain or blurry, that we need to focus not on what's visible and right front and center, but what is invisible, what is on the periphery, what is on the edges. And I think therein with strategy, you think about, you know, what does society tell us? Focus on what's straight ahead, focus on what's in the middle, focus on where your market is heading. Then think about in a Think about new ideas, new discoveries, like radically new ways of being and thinking and doing. They're on the edges. They're on the periphery. And what's interesting, and not to get, again, too meta, but our peripheral vision as humans today, literally and figuratively, is very, very poor. It is far poorer than our ancestors. And that's one of those skills we kind of need to uncover and rediscover and harness and start using much more deliberately.
0: Interesting. Why is that? Do you know?
1: Well, it has to do with technology, not surprisingly, that if you think about, and I'm talking here, you know, back in human history, when we needed to scan the entire landscape to see what was there, where we needed to go, what we needed to catch, where danger might be lurking, we were looking everywhere all the time. Now, what are we doing? We're looking at basically four by six inch pieces of metal, right? Our devices and whatnot. That's definitely been part of it. And it's documented by lots of research. I think too, you know, what's interesting to me is just when we think about the info flow and how much we're trying to process at any point in time becomes overwhelming. And you sort of want to focus on one point right in front of you that's not helpful either. I mean, we're focused a lot on curiosity these days, I think. There's a lot of conversation about curiosity. But at the end of the day, our mental parameters are much more truncated. They're much more bounded in because there's, quote unquote, so much we have to do in so little time.
0: Right. And I can see how that directly relates to strategy and sensing tangentially, exploring adjacencies, Mm. and not only the core.
1: Exactly. And it's funny because this usually comes up in the context of another superpower, but I'll mention it here, scenario planning. As a futurist, you know, what kind of strategy are we trying to set? How many futures are we considering we may need to actually think about or set strategy for, right? We think of strategy, in my experience often, it's not that it's monolithic, but there is a strategy. As opposed to, have you thought about the many different potential scenarios, potential possible futures that we could need a strategy for? Those are typically on the periphery. But what's interesting, you know, this is not lost on me for a minute. The last year <laughs> was not really the strategy many people were planning for. And yeah, We've been
0: talking about the 2020 strategy for decades, exactly. right?
1: Exactly.
0: Didn't plan this.
1: Yeah. And so that's a really good example of it's always been on our radar, but we shoved it to the periphery and we didn't pay attention. We downplayed the possibility of a pandemic, the impact, you know, magnitude, all of it. And then boom- What was quote unquote invisible suddenly became very visible. And we realized how long we hadn't reckoned with it and not only how much danger it presented. I'm really looking at this from what is invisible. There is invisible value all around us. There is invisible opportunity all around us. There are invisible avenues to pursue. There's invisible talent, labor. It's all around, but we've trained ourselves to see certain things and not see other things. And it gets really exciting when you start uncovering what you should have been seeing all along.
0: And I can see how so many concepts and innovation like jobs to be done, for example, are ways to try to get out of that kind of myopic definition of your industry by standard boundaries and look for the invisible. What do people usually get wrong?
1: Oh, my goodness. Gosh. Each of the eight superpowers I've been told is counterintuitive. It's contrarian. It doesn't make sense. It's not what we were taught. And I feel like at the broadest level, what a lot of people get wrong, and I will show a little bit of bias and I'll be a bit contrarian right here, is that what society tells us we're supposed to do is actually what's best for us. That we take, I fear and I feel all too often, we take for granted and it's what I tend to call a script. These are the narratives and stories and norms by which we live our lives. This is what we've been told is the promise of the world we'll get to live in, largely when we're young. And then we grow up and we're like, wow, this doesn't really align very much at all with the world I'm living in. And that's also one of the messages of Flux, which makes me really excited is like we're in the midst, I think we're in the early stages of learning how to write a new script that's fit for a world in flux, that is not fit for a world that's top-down, command and control, we can predict and control and, you know, know the future. For strategy, this has a huge overlap and also huge implications. But that's one thing that just on the whole, and each person does it a little bit in their own or different way. We don't all get everything the world tells us wrong, so to speak. But there's an assumption that what we're taught is accurate, that it's the way the world is going to work out for us. And then we get really disgruntled and angry when it doesn't, as opposed to questioning, really peeling back the layers of the onion and questioning, does this align with what I'm seeing? Is what I'm being taught aligning with how the world is playing out?
0: Yes. Directly sensing and reaching your conclusions. So you talked about learning that. What's something that you wish you had learned earlier or advice that you've gotten that's been particularly impactful that maybe you wish you had been given earlier?
1: Oh man, This is a loaded question, but it's great. And I would say today, you know, that each of the superpowers I have not landed on by chance. It has been hard work where I wish so many bits of advice I had been given earlier or really come to appreciate earlier. One though, and this might, mm, I was thinking about this and it goes a little off field, so to speak, but I love it because I'm trying to bridge the business world also though with the world of self-awareness and mindfulness and philosophy and so forth. And the way I like to phrase it, I wish that somebody had taught me sooner to worry less about the worrying. And this has to do with, I think, human nature and a certain amount of anxiety and fear is normal sometimes, but I've experienced a lot of just anxiety and fear in my life. I know a lot of others have about stuff that is legit and a lot of stuff that isn't. (laughs) And this whole notion of worry less about the worrying, if someone had taught me that sooner and I think modeled it for me sooner and like encouraged me to do that sooner, as opposed to, again, our scripts and what we're told growing up about success, and where you're going to find it and what to do and that you should always be going after more I'm a big fan of going after enough, all those sorts of things, but worry packs in at every level. And so that notion of worry less about the worrying, it doesn't say don't worry. (laughs) It doesn't say anxiety is bad or anything like that. It just says back to the accelerator, like loosen up a little bit, let your foot off the accelerator from time to time, because not only does it take away from your own energy, it keeps that energy from being invested in positive ways.
0: Folds in on itself and this flux mindset, which I kind of think of as lucky people walk out of their house. And they are expecting something wonderful and unexpected to happen. And so they're looking for it. And unlucky people are worried that something unexpected is going to happen. And so they stumble onto it anyway.
1: If I may real quick, the flux mindset, you just nailed it. Because one of the ways I'll define it is, it is the state of mind or the ability to see every. Change, whether it's good or bad, loved or hated, unwelcomed or unexpected as an opportunity, as a means of growing and improving, even the hard stuff, it's not a threat, but to be able to harness those silver linings. So you've nailed it. I mean, it's right there.
0: Love it. Well, I wish we had more time and we could cover the other six superpowers of the eight, but we're hitting the top of our time with you. Where can people find you? i Certainly, we're going to encourage them to get your book, but where can people find you and connect with you and learn from you?
1: Sure. So if you want to know more about Flux. The best website is FluxMindset.com. And there's a bit about me at AprilRinney.com as well. What I like to say is no one else has my name as far as I can tell. So I'm very easy to find online, but FluxMindset, Mindset for all things Flux. And I've tried to make a lot of the information just easily publicly available that you can take it straight from there and go with it yourself. Great.
0: Well, very generous of you. Thanks for the work that you do. And I know it's having a big impact on individuals and organizations and societies. So thank you.
1: Thank you so very much.
0: Thank you to our guests. Thank you to our producers, Karina Reyes and Zach Ness, our editor, and the rest of the team. If you like what you heard, please follow, download, and subscribe. I'm your host, Kaihan Krippendorf. Thank you for listening. We'll catch you next week with another episode of OutThinkers.